This is episode number 261 with Dr. Stephen Cabral. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl and Open Wide. And I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week, I'll be getting up close and personal with thought leaders from around the globe, as well as your weekly dose of motivation so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best version of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? If you want to listen to my episodes one day earlier than they are released anywhere else, you have to download the app Himalaya and follow my show. Himalaya is free, super easy to use, and has every podcast you can think of. I love that you can leave comments under each episode and even create episode playlists. Make sure you check it out today. Dr. Stephen Cabral is a board-certified doctor of naturopathy and founder of the Cabral Wellness Institute and stephencabral.com. At the age of 17, he was diagnosed with a life-altering illness and given no hope for recovery. Every day, he suffered endlessly for many years. It was only after he traveled all over the world and discovered how to combine ancient Ayurvedic healing practices with state-of-the-art naturopathic and functional medicine, did he understand how to fully rebalance the body and re-energize it with life. Today, his online and Boston practice, where he and his team have completed over 250,000 client appointments, he uses functional medicine lab testing and personalized wellness plans to help people rebalance their mind and body to recover from things like autoimmune issues, thyroid issues, fatigue, hormonal imbalances, weight gain, digestive issues, mood disorders, skin issues, and dozens of other hard-to-treat health conditions. His mission is to help people understand that there is always a reason why you have not achieved your ideal wellness or weight loss goals yet, and that you can and will get well again. And in today's episode, we chat about what is cellulite and why it's so stubborn, the three grades of cellulite. I had no idea there was three different grades of cellulite, so this was very fascinating. The truth about what causes cellulite, this was mind-blowing. How to heal cellulite, his thoughts on cellulite freezing and shockwave therapy, this was fascinating. We also chat about the real reason you get acne and how to clear up your skin fast, why you want to avoid acne drugs. Then we talk about bad breath and what it is telling you. And this this is just mind-blowing. We also talk about the easy ways to fix bad breath, why you need to rethink Invisalign's mouth guards and root canals, the powerful question to ask yourself when making any decision. And then we move on to eating disorders and eating issues and what this does to your insides. This information is so important. And we also chat about how you can become your own healer and the healer in your home and community and what he is super excited about in the wellness industry at the moment. Plus, so much more. We dive deep. This conversation is epic. 
And for everything that we mention in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes. And that's over at melissarambrosini.com forward slash 261. But before we dive into today's epic conversation, I want to read the review of the week. And this week, we have a five-star review titled Incredible, Inspiring, Raw, and it's from Lisa Stanton-Smith. And she says, thank you so much, Melissa, for creating these epic conversations with such incredible leaders. As a woman in business, it's refreshing and heartwarming to hear so much wisdom and insight on how to lead, live, and inspire with true authenticity and creativity. Keep doing what you're doing, lovely. Hugs. Thanks, Lisa. I will keep going, Lisa. Thank you so much for that beautiful review. I am so grateful. And if you haven't had a chance to leave me a five-star review yet, I would be so grateful because it just means that I can keep getting on epic humans for you guys. So please pause this right now, jump on over to iTunes, leave me that review and come back here. I would be so grateful. And now without further ado, let's bring on the incredible Dr. Stephen Cabral. Welcome, Stephen. I'm so excited to have you back. This will be your fifth time on my show. You and Nick are my only repeated guests, and I know you well enough to know that I'm going to know what you had for breakfast this morning. So I'm not going to ask you that question because you've told us the same thing each time. So instead of telling us what you had for breakfast, can you tell us what you had for lunch today? Absolutely. So there is a, um, and by the way, it's uh, it's a pleasure as always to be able to be in your show, speak with you, speak with your audience community. It's such an amazing tribe of people that you've really brought together. And again, it's just, I, I really uh, am grateful to be on. Lunch for me, I've uh, just about three months ago, a new plant-based restaurant moved in two blocks away. So I'm one of the happiest people because Monday through Friday, I literally just walk out of my office uh, two blocks down the street here in Boston. And I get this, it's a, essentially a Buddha bowl. And it's brown rice and it's um, sweet potato. They put a little bit of squash on there with some nutmeg. They do some sprouts. And then it's diced root vegetables, which are carrots and beets. And I do sprouted legumes instead of the tofu. So really delicious. Uh, the funny thing is I bring it back to my office. And during the winter time, I put a, now that it's winter here, put a little bit of hot sauce on it. And I, I often do a little bit extra hemp parts uh, and olive oil. So I take my eating very seriously because you can still eat delicious meals and have them be healthy. It's, it's one of those things that I try to do. Oh, yum. That sounds so good. That sounds delicious. And definitely right up my alley. And it's so good when something opens really close to you. That is just the best. Convenience is key. It really is. Being able to pre-plan, plan ahead what you're going to have so that you know that, you know, these are my options today and, and you're able to stay on track with your nutrition. Yeah, absolutely. Now, there are four topics that I want to cover today with you on the show. So let's dive right in because I know time is precious. And the first thing I want to talk to you about is cellulite. Okay, so I know a lot of women listening are like, oh my gosh, yes, I have cellulite. I want you to tell us what actually is cellulite? What is happening in the body when it manifests as cellulite? What does it mean and how can we get rid of it? And, and absolutely, this is a huge topic because 90% of all women at some phase of their life are most likely going to have one of the three grades. There's basically three grades of cellulite that you can have. 
technically four. There's one more grade before that, which is no cellulite. So what happens though, and uh, well, I'll go through the grades first. You have no cellulite or you can have a, a small amount. So it's basically smooth skin. And then there's just tiny little dimples. People refer to it sometimes as like an orange peel type look. And I'll go over why that happens in just a moment because you have to always know the why. If you know the why of how it happened and what's happening under the skin, then you know how to reverse it. So grade two, what we're looking at is, although you may see a slight amount of cellulite while not seated, when you sit down, it's more pronounced. So that means when you're sitting down in a chair and the fat cells, the adipose tissue are actually being condensed together, you begin to see more of those dimples or more of that orange peel-based appearance. So that's phase two. Now, phase three or grade three is when you see the cellulite, there's deeper dentations, we'll say, or dimples in the act. Now, typically it's around the thighs, but you can get cellulite anywhere. And this is when it's more pronounced every day, walking around, whether you're seated or not. So essentially, we move through these three grades. So no cellulite, start to see a little bit of appearance. Maybe when you press on it a bit, you say, oh, can you see cellulite? Well, sure. If you press on it, that's grade two. And then grade three is when you can see it, not just when you're seated or pressing on it, but actually when you're walking around. So the thing is this, though. If you didn't have it when you were six years old, eight years old or so, we can say this was caused for a reason. This happened for a reason. So my job is to always keep asking why, and we can figure out the why because Cellulite happens because your fat cells, your adipose tissue, become enlarged and they actually start to press through the connective tissue. They become intertwined with the fascia of the rest of your leg. We're going to just use the thighs as an example because the back of the thighs uh, and around the, the butt, the glutes, are the most common place to see it. So what we need to do is now that we know that the structure of the fat cells and the connective tissue under the surface of the skin has changed, what do we do? in order to restructure, rechange the fascia and the fat cells. So hopefully that makes sense so that we can kind of go through the toxins of how it happens and then we can go through removing it uh, for permanently. Yeah, so what are the toxins? Like what contributes to that? Because I know a lot of people listening will be like, okay, I'm grade one, I'm grade two, or I'm grade three, or maybe, you know, there's nothing. So what are the toxins that contribute to that? So what happens is, And I want to get the genetic thing out of the way first. So there's no doubt about it. Some women and some men, it's just much more common in women, about 90%, we said, as as some phase of their life. But some women are just much more prone to it. But that doesn't mean they have to have it. What it means, though, is that they're just more prone to it, just like anything, right? So you know, if you're more prone to Hashimoto's or if you're more prone to rheumatoid arthritis or migraines, if they run in the family per se, well, you just have to be more careful about it. You don't have to have it, but be more careful. So A couple of things are parabens, anything to do with phthalates, pesticides, glyphosate, anything that raises your overall toxicity in the body. Now, one of the reasons for this is that when we start to become more toxic, we start to hold more water weight. And we hold more water weight, meaning we start to swell more, more puffy, more swollen, is because our body's under attack. So our immune cells work to a greater degree, creating inflammation. And this creates, again, more swelling. Now, there's another reason with toxins as well. If you're exposed to plastic or PCBs or parabens, it can raise your own internal levels from exogenous, means from the outside. So the outside can raise the inside levels of estrogen. 
And the more dominant, more estrogen dominance you have can create more cellulite as well. So hormones are a big factor. Toxicity is a huge factor, especially in, in today's day and age. And then we also have a couple other things. As women age, again, men as well, but mainly women, the muscle tone starts to be less. So now it's harder to keep the, even the structure in place and the metabolism starts to go a little bit lower. So you start to gain some more body fat. So making sure we are exercising, not over-exercising, but definitely exercising. And running or biking is not exercise for the legs. That's exercise for the heart and lungs. If we want to exercise the legs, we need to be doing our lunges and deadlifts and squats and step-ups. Those are much better, much more metabolic. The last causal factor is absolutely dysregulated blood sugar. So higher levels of insulin, which again, can raise estrogen. It can raise cortisol. It can raise overall inflammation. And all of these things can lead to cellulite. And that's why there's never one silver bullet of how to fix these things, but for sure they can be fixed because I only named about six different things. If you correct those, you can correct the cellulite and we can go through some of those ways to do that if you'd like. Yes, please. Let's do it. So in order to start the process of healing cellulite, and it does have to be healed, is that we need to restructure the area, but we also have to get better blood supply. So the only way that we can cause the toxins to be pushed out of those fat cells is to also get more blood flow there and create better drainage. So literally, we need to drain out that area of the body. Any way we can do that is going to be beneficial. Anything that gets the body pumping. I just did a show on these exercises called the five Tibetans. And if you're familiar with yoga and yoga-based poses, well, they go through the up and down dog. They go through the camel pose, the tabletop pose. Some of the other ones are a little bit different, you know, in terms of movement. But doing hatha yoga or yoga-based movements is actually really great for pumping the capillaries. So you have about 100,000 miles of blood vessels in your body. And what we're looking to do is constrict the body and then relax, constrict it and then relax it. So jumping on a rebounder is great. Really, really nice. A little trampoline. And you don't need long. 30 seconds at a time. Do that three to five times as part of your workout. It's great. But what we need to do is we need to drain that area, move that area, improve blood flow. What are some other things you could do? Dry brushing is fantastic. Now, dry brushing is often done incorrectly because people just kind of brush their body. What you want to do is always stroke with the dry brush gently. It's not meant to actually exfoliate your skin. It's just meant to be when I say one to three millimeters of pressure, I'm talking about very light pressure with a dry brush because that's where the lymphatic system is. And then always move towards the heart. So there's a system of how to do this. And we could talk about that if you'd like, but you won't go wrong if you're always dry brushing towards the heart. And that's highly, highly beneficial. Sauna is amazing. So sauna is going to help with detoxification. If a lot of your listeners have heard about foam rolling or self-myofascial release on a foam roller, it's a great way to restructure that area as well, open up the fascia. And then a few of my other favorites are just self-massage with some sesame oil, is just allowing the body to, again, drain that lymphatic system, move the lymphatic system. And another one that we've used recently is, you can make it yourself, is just coffee grinds, so homemade coffee grinds mixed with coconut oil. And you can make a coffee coconut oil soap And you can use that, which actually helps to tighten the skin, tone the skin, uh, very exfoliating as well. So those are really, really nice. One more thing I might add is just make sure that you're getting enough protein, amino acids on a daily basis, collagen, if you prefer, and then your vitamins like vitamin C is crucial, making sure that you're getting enough zinc, magnesium uh, to help with the processes. Hopefully that was helpful. 
I hope everybody is taking notes because you just gave us so many so many great things that we can do. Honestly, there's so many great things. I was taking notes. One thing that I wanted to ask you about is what are your thoughts on hot and cold water therapy for cellulite? It can be beneficial for sure, because what you're doing is you're working the lymphatic system. So you're helping with circulation. You're decreasing inflammation. Uh, so yeah, it could be it could be highly beneficial. So I'm a big fan of that for sure through the research. The absolute best meaning better than cryotherapy, better than the hot cold in the shower, is a cold plunge if you're able to. And you could even just do up to your waist if you'd like. So if your cellulite is mainly lower body, then because a lot of people, they just can't go in all the way, it's so cold, you could do that and still get benefit. If I was thinking, because you do need to do this on a daily basis. So if I was trying to simplify it even more, I would say, you know, make sure you do a detox, do some type of functional medicine detox, open up the liver pathways. And then each morning before you get in the shower, do some dry brushing or do a sesame oil self-massage. They call it Abhyanga in Ayurvedic medicine. And then besides that, just make sure that you're getting in your daily exercise, your 10,000 steps, a little bit of foam rolling and stretching again to restructure. And so that, that's where I would start. For someone who maybe has grade one or two cellulite, and so it's not really visible unless they kind of sit or they squeeze, you know, they pinch their leg. For them to kind of think, oh, it's not that big a deal. You know, you can't really see it. It doesn't really matter. I won't, I won't bother doing any of those things that Stephen just suggested. What are your thoughts on that? Because I feel like if we leave it for years, there's, there's that toxic buildup that is happening. So what are your thoughts and what would you say to someone who may be thinking that? Well, you always have to look at the outside of the body as an indicator of what's going on with the inside. So I would say, Sure, no big deal. You know, like even if you have cellulite in general, you might just say no big deal. Like I don't mind having cellulite. And and I would say, well, good for you. Like that then that's great because, you know, it's just appearance-wise. But what it's telling us is there's most likely some dysregulation in insulin or blood sugar or a buildup of estrogen or some issues with maybe cortisol or inflammation. So like there are things going on and your body's saying like, "Hey, l- listen, look at this. We're showing you a sign. Pay attention." could be worse, right? Things are probably not going to get better. And the other thing is, if you're worried about grade one, if you don't like it, do fix it now. Mm-hmm. Because it it doesn't get better on its own. Like that's the thing. It's also an indicator that maybe, okay, so it usually doesn't happen. Again, it can happen at any time in a woman's life. I've seen eight-year-old girls with it. And then some women don't get it till they're like, you know, 38 maybe. But what happens is as a child, we say, okay, there's real issues. There's definitely estrogen dominance, most likely. And there's inflammation and for sure there's blood sugar dysregulation. So and then it's toxicity. We don't want that, right? But now in women we say, well, yeah, it's maybe been a been a few years since I've been playing sports or exercising. We have to watch the muscle tone doesn't start to go down. What's next? Osteoporosis, sarcopenia, uh lowering of the metabolism. So it leads to many things. So I would just look at it as a sign to start getting a little bit healthier. Yeah, totally. And you've given us so many ways that we can start to combat this. So thank you for that. What are your thoughts on, I don't know what they're called, but there are some places you can go where they freeze the cellulite or there's these machines. I don't know if you're aware of them, but there's like, I've seen like celebrities, they do these machines on their thighs. And do you know what I'm talking about? I don't know what they're called. Well, there's shockwave uh, machines. There's also ultrasound-based machines. And all of these things, well, there's a couple. The freezing can actually be to kill some of the, the fat cells themselves. That's not 
the ideal. We don't, we don't want to do that. But the ultrasound actually has some benefit to it, but mainly from the restructuring. I'm not saying that that's necessarily bad, but you could do that on your own self massage, a foam roller. You're going to get kind of that massage based effect as you would with, with some of the machines. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's good to know. Just, you know, and they're usually quite expensive. So if you can do some of these other things like the dry body brushing and the hot and cold, like some and the self-massage and the foam rolling, you can do those things for free at home. So you don't need to go and spend a lot of money to do these things that may not even have the results that you want. So yeah, bring it back into your home. And obviously, like you said, you know, look at the toxicity, look at the hormones, get the testing, try and eliminate as much toxicity in your life as possible. With, without a doubt. And if, you know, people kind of looking up online, you can actually see a lot of this is backed up by research. Cellulite in a, as a medical term is referred to as gynoid lipodystrophy. So it actually has a medical term. And, and there are proven ways to do this, meaning like, yes, there's the, the innovations like shockwave and, and ultrasound. But again, massage and, and they even make at-home suction cups. I don't know if you've ever seen those, Melissa, but they actually suction on. And it's another form, though, of, of basically lymphatic drainage. So what all these things are trying to do is the same exact thing. You can absolutely do it at home. But also start to look at, do you have a water filter? Do you have a shower filter? Are, are you trying to eat maybe a little bit more organic? These are all just nice things to start working in life. Yes, it's going to help with cellulite, but it's also going to help your overall health as well. I have to interrupt this conversation to tell you about one of today's podcast sponsors, Blue Blocks the only blue light glasses backed by science. Now, if you follow me on social media, you will know that I love my blue blocking glasses and I wear them every day because they help alleviate digital eye strain, keep your hormones balanced and help you get a deeper, more restorative sleep. They are made in Australia, which means they are very high quality and all their glasses come in readers, prescription and non-prescription. And you can even send in your own frames and have them add their lens technology to your frames. And for every pair purchased, they donate a pair of reading glasses to Restoring Vision, who then gift them to someone in need in the developing countries. How awesome is that? So to get 15% off, head to blueblocks.com. That's B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com and enter the code MELISSA at the checkout. Now let's get back to the conversation. I want to shift now to acne. So a lot of what we're talking to, talking about today is these external things, which are direct reflection and representation of what is going on internally. So acne is something that a lot of people struggle with. What's going on internally when we get acne and how can we fix it? So the the biggest reasons I see for acne, like meaning like if we use the 80-20 rule or we even just say what's 80% of causing it for most people, we we refer to it as dirty blood. <laughs> and that's that's just the affectionate name we say is like your body has bacteria, has hormones, it has things in the blood that it's looking to get out of the body. And the skin is a very easy way to do that. So easy that your skin was built as the largest excretory organ on the body. So that means even more so than the liver, more than the kidneys, what we can do is we can push these things through our pores, bacteria. And again, it can be exacerbated by higher levels of estrogen. And let's say that you can't, again, at-home lab testing is the absolute best for this. But let's say that you can't test your cycle between days 19 and 23 or so. Well, you can ask yourself this. 
about five days to seven days uh, before you're about to get day one of menstruation, do you start to get a little bit more acne? And if so, we could say, okay, well, most likely that is a sign of estrogen dominance. And then that could be one of the big causal factors of being able to balance cortisol levels, stress, inflammation, again, toxicity, uh, and regulating blood sugar. So what goes hand in hand with acne is typically a lot of times blood sugar and insulin, which affects estrogen, it affects testosterone, and all of these things greatly affect women as well as men. So hormones and blood sugar are a huge part of this equation. Of course, eating cleaner, all of those things are great, but also looking at everything that goes into our body or on our body, which are different types of moisturizers and makeups and anything that may have toxins in them as well. So there's a there's something else. So you can look at that. But then for an example, foods are a big culprit of acne, and we never even think about them that way. I'll just use myself for example. I was at a really nice conference in Europe last week. It's called World Medicine Week. Really, really great. Bioregulatory medicine based. And I was over there. I had a very difficult time finding clean places to eat in Germany. Now, I'm not from there. I probably don't know all the little like spots, but I had more gluten than I would typically have. I had a little chocolate, which I almost typically never eat. And then, because I know it's not, it doesn't work for me. That's what I'm about to get to is bioindividuality. And a little bit other foods that I typically wouldn't have. I came back, I had breakouts on my forehead. I had two in my cheek. I haven't had acne for many years. So when I look at this, I say, okay, is something wrong with me? Ah, probably not. But I ate foods that my body was sensitive to. Some people can't have corn or soy. Some people can't have chocolate. Some people can't have eggs. So by doing an elimination diet or doing a food sensitivity test, I think you'll people will oftentimes find sometimes even one of their favorite foods might be causing some of that acne. For me, my body doesn't really like chocolate for whatever reason. It it, uh, it ends up having a little bit of acne. So ho- hopefully that makes sense. Yes. Okay. So what are some other things that we could do? So obviously cleaning up our diet and cleaning up our products that we're using yes. in the short term when it's all over your face and it's really beating down on your confidence. I know, I know I've been there. I've had acne. It's And at the same time, I had eczema all over my face as well. And I had cold sores. This, it was, I just looked like a mess. And it really does deplete your confidence. So what are some of the short-term things that we can do? Because I know as well, a lot of people want to put makeup all over it to cover it, which might not be the best thing to do. What are some other things that we can do? Like, is it is it a matter of just writing it out? I mean, for me, I love using, if I get one spot now, I put tea tree oil on it and then by the next day it's gone. But do you have any other little tips or tricks or any other things that we could do just in the short term? Absolutely. And so if you think about it, if your body is trying to get out these things through your skin anyways, you have to just, you just have to give your body the help. Again, we'll probably be talking about this a lot today, but the skin cellulite, the outside of your body is giving you a sign something's wrong on the inside. So it's typically nothing from the outside that's causing the acne. Sometimes it it can happen, but typically not. You can get skin rashes from different types of detergents, items like that. But oftentimes from the inside, we didn't talk about this as well as intestinal permeability or leaky gut. Every time you're eating, you're spilling bacteria, you're spilling proteins out in the bloodstream. Well, your body has to clean those up. Yes, it will move them through your liver. It might put them in your fat cells to store them away. 
Uh, but you're, you're going to have to get this out somehow. So how can we do this to a greater degree? Well, we can do a couple things. We can make sure that we're getting half our body weight in ounces of water per day. So in pounds, I always use the example of a 160-pound person. That would be 80 ounces of water per day. And if we divide 80 by 8, which is a cup of for ounces, we would get 10 cups of water per day, 10 glasses of water per day. What's it going to do? Well, our blood's 90% water. The blood plasma is 90% water. It's going to flush the body to a greater degree. Then we want to do an overnight fast, 12 hours, 6 o'clock at night to 6 in the morning, 7 at night to 7 in the morning. You might even do a couple extra hours. What does it do? Well, it gives your body now more time to deal with what's already on the inside before you put more in. Every time you put more food in, or more in in general of whatever it is, your body has to clean up, even if it's healthy food. So that's, and especially if you have a leaky gut or any type of intestinal permeability where these things are actually seeping out through the 28 feet of digestive tract. So that's what you can do from diet and cleanliness, not wise. The other way is a nice facial steam. Again, help your body get it out of the pores. So you can do this by simply uh, heating up a washcloth and putting that on your face and just kind of steaming your face or you could boil some water. You could put a towel over it, let the steam come up. You could get in the sauna. Whatever you want to do to open up those pores, get all those toxins out of the pores. And then just like you said, after that's done, you could put a little bit of vitamin C serum on your face. On the acne specifically, you could use tea tree. You could use a little grapefruit seed extract. You could use some neem oil, which is really effective. Uh, so all of those are really helpful. Tell us why you would want to avoid the roaccutane and the other hardcore drugs that a lot of people do take for acne. Tell us why we would want to avoid those. Well, the biggest reason is that your body's telling you something's wrong. We don't want to mask that with high dosages of vitamin A. So what we need to do is say, okay, you're presenting me with acne. Why do I have the acne? Because if you do, I'm trying... If you have acne, there's something else most likely going on as well. You might start to feel a little bit more tired. You might have some bloating. Listen to those symptoms. Those symptoms are what allow you a decade, two decades, four decades from now to still be having the energy, vitality, confidence, and all that to live life to its fullest. So if you continue to put Band-Aids on top of problems, and again, we've all been taught that. I mean, I did it for my entire life until finally I broke. When I broke, I realized that I had to pull off all these Band-Aids figure out actually how to heal all these different cuts, and then I can get well. And, and again, we all have to do it at some time. I just urge you not to wait until it's high blood pressure, type 2 diabetes, etc. So the first reason is that acne is just a, a manifestation. It's a symptom of something going on in the body. Now, the second reason is liver damage or vitamin A toxicity, which can cause serious issues in the body, which is why when you're on these types of drugs, you have to get your liver counts checked every six weeks, every eight weeks, every 12 weeks, because that's how toxic it is to the body. Mm, wow. Yeah. This is so helpful. I feel like, yeah, there's this common theme so far with the cellulite and the acne. It, it really is a deeper message coming from within. And it's not just about looking at the external and saying, okay, I want to fix that from the external. It's, it's about going in and going, okay, what's really going on? This is why I love your work so much is because you're all about doing the tests. You're about getting the data and not guessing and, you know, just flying blind and going, well, it could be this, it could be this. You're, you're very much about, let's get the information and then let's move from there, which I find is so powerful and, and love that that's what you teach in your IHP and what you practice. 
So let's now talk about bad breath because I was chatting to someone about this the other day and they literally think it has nothing to do with gut health. And that kind of blew my mind. I thought, you know, this person that I was chatting to just said, I just got to brush my teeth. And I was like, but it's beyond the breath from just not brushing your teeth. It's like deep. You can't even stand, you know, two meters in front of this person and you could still smell it. And I'm not sure if you know what I'm talking about or whether you've ever experienced that, but what is really going on with our gut when we have that really bad, bad breath where, you know, you kind of clear out a whole room? For sure. And and again, being in a, a clinical practice, I I'm, will sit across from people and, and I'm just like, oh, well, yeah, there's most likely a gut issue going on here. Because the easiest way to think about it is this. Let's say that you have a garbage disposal at home in your sink and you forget to turn on that switch and make it go down the drain. Whatever happens when you turn on a garbage disposal, I don't actually know. But I know that it leaves the garbage disposal area. But what happens is if you don't do that, the food down there starts to rot. It starts to ferment. It starts to grow bacteria and it starts to putrefy. And you smell that. The same with your trash. You empty your trash every day, every couple of days. And the reason is if not, you're smelling rotted food. Well, what happens in our gut is that the food rots in the same exact way. So after the how the body works is basically we swallow food, we swallow it once, it gets moved down the esophagus 14, 18 inches down into the stomach. Now the stomach is only supposed to keep the food there for half hour or so if it's fruits, maybe an hour if it's a starch, couple hours for protein, maybe a couple more hours if we have a big salad or so. But that's it, two, three hours maximum. If the food stays in that stomach for longer, and especially if it doesn't move through for a couple hours, it's going to start to grow bacteria. It's going to start to ferment because most likely there's not enough stomach acid, which kills all of that bacteria. That's why stomach acid always gets a bad rap because people have acid reflux. But most likely it's not the stomach acid's fault. It's because of a faulty digestive system. So what happens is if we don't have stomach acid, we can't kill parasites, we can't kill bacteria. And we can't move the food through quick enough. Your intestines are not going to allow your stomach, so your your duodenum, it's the first part of your intestines, there's something called the gastric valve. It's not going to allow that valve to open and take in a huge piece of like steak. It's just not going to happen. It can't break it down. So it sits there and it rots in your stomach until it softens. And that smell comes back up through the garbage disposal, which would be your esophagus, and you can smell it on people. And... That is why a lot of people have halitosis or bad breath. So what we need to do is really work on revamping the digestive system. We need to fix the gut microbiome. So we actually have to get rid of the candida overgrowth, the H. pylori that might be in the stomach, maybe the parasites, maybe the SIBO. And then what we do is we return the gut back to normal function. We improve normal stomach acid and there's no more halitosis. Now, they might still be brushing their teeth the same two times a day, but again, it had nothing to do with that. So hopefully I was able to explain that well. Yeah, no, that's really helpful. And it's not something that you just want to mask, like with the cellulite and with the acne. You don't want to mask the bad breath with brushing your teeth more or chewing gum, you know, or anything like that. You want to get to the root cause, go inward. And a lot of what we've spoken about, the the acne, the cellulite, the bad breath, it all 
comes back to your gut. You know, that is the epicenter of where everything happens. And if that is humming along really beautifully, then those manifestations won't happen. So we need to go to the root. We need to go within and not mask these things with chewing gum or anything else, the the mouthwash, all those sorts of things that are out there to combat these things, which aren't really fixing the root cause. And sometimes even making them worse. That's the truth, meaning that. So one of the reasons why, you know, there is a possibility that it's in your mouth. So there's no doubt about that. But deep halitosis, you can smell it. Like you can smell it, like you said, a meter, two meters away. You can tell if it's poor brushing your teeth. It smells like, you know, kind of bad breath, but doesn't have that sulfur-based smell. It doesn't have that like deep food rotting smell. But people should floss their teeth because if you have food between your teeth, well, the food could rot between your teeth as well. So it is important to floss your teeth, to brush your teeth. But mouthwash and chewing gum can often make things worse because what happens is your mouth is supposed to have a specific pH balance. And when it becomes too anaerobic, too acidic in the mouth, that's actually what causes more of the cavities. But it can also cause more of the bad breath. It starts to break down the enamel on the teeth. And we don't have a balance of good bacteria in the mouth. We actually have more anaerobic-based bacteria. So yes, let's always work at the scene. Like, yes, let's clean our face with good products and let's clean the mouth with good products, but let's never try to mask it. Let's work on the deeper causes which are happening in the gut, like you you referred to. Yes, so important. How often should we be flossing? I use a water pick. I'm not sure if you know what they are, where it's basically this little device that flushes water at a high pressure through your teeth. It's instead of flossing and they're really, really powerful. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of them or used them, but how often should we be flossing? If you can, you would do it twice a day. I know for most people, they're not going to be able to do it twice a day. So I recommend at the end of the day. The end of the day is going to be the most important for cleaning out the teeth. And the beginning of the day is the most important for removing excess bacteria from overnight from the mouth. So that's why in the morning, that's when you do your tongue scraping, uh, which is tremendous for uh, not just getting the bacteria off your tongue, but actually for for getting that digestive system set up. Why? The tongue starts the beginning of the digestive system. It's the very tip of the digestive system. So we tongue scrape, and then we do uh, typical brushing of the teeth, And then at night, you would brush your teeth again, and then you would do your water pick, which is great, or you would do your flossing, and either is fine. Now, bonus points for flossing and brushing after lunch if you have three meals per day, but I know that most people aren't going to do that. I don't personally do that. So again, I I just try to preach what I practice and practice what I preach. I used to do that three times a day when I had braces. I had to because... I can't like eat lunch and then walk around for the rest of the day with spinach in between my teeth. Like you kind of have to do it. And it was a really good habit that I got into when I had my braces. But now that I don't have them, I have stopped doing it twice, uh, three times a day. But you know, it's you've inspired me because oral hygiene is so important. Like you said, it all happens in our mouth. That's where our digestion starts in our mouth, which is why I do the tongue scraping and the flossing and the brushing twice a day. Something else that I learned from you, which I found very fascinating, was the bacteria that breeds in the mouth guards that a lot of us people who have had braces, you know, usually we are given a mouth guard to put on at nighttime or Invisalign's or things things like that. And what I learned from you in one of your episodes was that they can harbor a lot of bacteria. So can you talk to that? And what can we do about that? 
Well, and that's that's the hard thing because if you're using Invisalign instead of wearing braces or doing something like that or teeth whitening or whatever it might be, the problem is, is the bacteria pools right at the gum line. And our gums go directly through the capillaries to the heart. And so that's why this bacteria, you don't want that bacteria going to your heart. It can actually cause cardiovascular and, and heart-based disease and issues like that. And that's very well proven. It's one of the reasons why I know it doesn't make any sense, but flossing actually cuts down on heart disease. Now, flossing, when you think about it, doesn't actually have anything to do with the heart. But what it does is it removes the plaque. It removes bacteria, gingivitis, tartar, all that the type of thing that goes on with the teeth. And it gets rid of that. Now, that's why it's helpful because that plaque tartar builds up, goes into the bloodstream through your gums, and then it can start to accumulate around the arteries and the heart. So that's why these things, again, like it's all one, like your body's all one. Your heart's not disconnected from your mouth. They're actually intimately connected. And if you believe in traditional Chinese medicine and you believe in the meridians, you can actually see that each tooth has its own meridian line with the body. And that's why, you know, in naturopathy and bioregulatory medicine, we're not a huge fan of root canals. We're not a huge fan of doing things that would be unnatural in the mouth because it can affect other parts of the body. Yeah, that makes so much sense. So what is the alternative for someone Obviously, you know, Invisaligns, you could get the braces, but for someone like myself who had braces and I've been told that I have to wear a plate, a mouth guard every night. So what are some other alternatives that we could potentially look into so that we're not, you know, letting that bacteria breed? Well, and so the breed just made me think of the word breathe. So you have to allow the bacteria to flow in and out. And that would be normal. So we have to find a device uh, or a way that the bacteria would not pull overnight in the same spot against the gums. So that's what I recommend. And then also, if it was a shorter term thing, but if they're saying, okay, you have to wear a plate or retainer for the rest of your life, you know, then that's where it starts to get a little iffy for me. Like that, that to me, I had braces for four years, a little bit longer than that. And I wore my retainer for about six months. And I'm just like, you know what? I'm, I'm just can't see myself wearing this the rest of my life. And I didn't. Now, with some people, their, their teeth shift a lot. So I get it. Like, I understand that. Luckily, my teeth didn't shift that much. And I, and I, was, I, this was, I was far too young to know anything about health. But I didn't do it for those reasons. I simply wasn't, didn't want to do it. Uh, one methodology that I could see working is using stainless steel in the malt, which is typically not an allergen for most people. And if it wasn't directly collecting the saliva in the pool, like if it actually kept the teeth where they should be. But again, this is not my forte. I'm, I would actually speak with a biological dentist and you can look up biological dentists all around the world by going to the website iaomt.org. It's either ioamt or iaomt.org. And it's for biological dentists that know the proper way to take out mercury amalgams or silver amalgams in your mouth and uh, work with root canals, et cetera. Yes, so important. And maybe something that a lot of people listening have never even considered or thought about. One of my girlfriends actually said to me that when you're pregnant, your teeth move. 
So she said that when she was pregnant, I'm not sure if you've ever heard this, but she was like, you have to wear your plate, especially whilst you're pregnant, because your teeth move so much. And that's what happened to her. But I don't know. Is there is that a theory? Like, what are your thoughts? I've never heard of that. But that doesn't mean that's not true. I just simply have never heard of that. That very well may be true. Uh, Because there is trying to think of the word right now, there is enzymes based in the body that are produced that makes the body more relaxed, that makes it the, yes. the tendons allowed to move. So if I kind of think backwards, I'm like, yeah, that that's a possibility. But again, I'd have to do some research on that. I don't personally know. Yeah, yeah. The relaxant. That's what she said. She was like, yeah, because of the relaxant hormones. So everything kind of, but yeah, you know, that's the first I'd heard of it too. But yeah, just interesting, you know. And that might be the time that you decide to, you know, but at the but it's always about weighing the pros and cons, right? It's always about okay, how long am I going to do it for? Am I just going to use it maybe for the last trimester when there's more relaxant? Like, how are you going to look at it? And so I always let people know, get all the information you can, gather it all together, weigh the pros and cons and do what you feel is best for you. And and how I make that decision is I always say, what I regret not doing it or what I regret doing it. And so that's what I look back. Like hindsight, we always say, oh, it'd be great if I did that. But always just say, what would I regret? And then try to try to figure out the decision from there. Yeah, that's great. That's such a good question. Such a nice reminder. And then it's always bringing the power back to ourselves, you know, and that's something that you and I both teach is like, we want to lay out all the information on a platter in front of people, and then they can make the best and most informed decision for them and their family. Like that's all that we can ask for. Like once you have the knowledge, once you have the information, then you can decide. And then by asking yourself that question, like, will I regret this? It's such a powerful thing because then it brings the power back onto you. That's exactly correct. I could not have said that better. And and that's what it's all about. We, like you, myself, I'm simply trying to share information and I don't want to even tell people what to do, but I want them to gather it. And like you said, it's their body. It's their family. Who am I to tell them what to do? But if I can show them what I've seen work in private practice, what I've seen work in the research and studying all over the world, then it gives them maybe it shortcuts, right? Shortcuts their success, which I think is what we both try to do for people. Yes, exactly. Exactly. I have to interrupt this conversation to tell you about one of today's podcast sponsors, No Pong Deodorant. You guys know that living a toxic-free life is very important to me. That's why I love No Pong. I've tried so many natural, toxic-free deodorants, and this one actually works. And I don't put anything on my body that I wouldn't eat. So I love that they use clean, food-grade ingredients. I also love that it's smooth to apply and keeps you fresh for up to 24 hours. One handy tin equals a month of lovely smelling pits for you and everyone around you. And right now, No Pong is offering 10% off your order with the code MATRIBE. All you have to do is head to nopong.com. That's N-O-P-O-N-G.com today. Now, let's get back to this juicy conversation. Now let's shift gears a little bit and talk about eating disorders, things like bulimia and anorexia. Now I know for a lot of people, this is an internal battle that they are going through, but I want to talk about what these eating disorders do to our body and how we can start to support ourselves 
if we're experiencing this or if we know someone else that may be going through this? Because I know a lot of it is mental, but what are these issues like bulimia and anorexia? Like, what is that actually doing internally to us? Well, one of the biggest things that I look at with disordered eating, eating disorders, whatever, uh, however you prefer to refer to these terms is that we always want to look at the person at the end of this, meaning that, yeah, we can say anorexia, we can say bulimia, but there's, you know, there's someone on the the other side of that, right? So we want to humanize this. We want them to know that we know where they're coming from, that they're understood and that this is multifactorial. So no doubt in my mind that there is a reason for this, right? No one's choosing to do this because they, they feel it's a good idea. I work with many women in my practice that have anorexia or they have bulimia and they don't want to be doing it. So that's tough. You know that this is not the right thing to do. You know, it's causing harm to your lower esophageal sphincter, which could cause acid reflux for, for many years. You know that it's most likely changing your gut microbiome. Uh, you know that it could be burning the esophagus as you're bringing up all of that stomach acid. So what we want to do is look at this and really humanize it and just say, listen, we're going to work on this together and we're going to have a team of people helping you because we need a support team. We need someone in your life that you can talk with. Not a counselor and therapist, yes. But what about someone that can support you with this? And then you need your health profession, right? You need an integrative health practitioner. You need a functional medicine doctor. Someone that can say, listen, a lot of the anxiety, the overwhelm that you're feeling as well, the depression, whatever it might be, could be because you have low magnesium. You have low levels of zinc. You have low levels of B6. And that's why you can't produce as much serotonin, the feel-good neurotransmitter. You don't have enough vitamin B3, niacin, which has been clinically proven to help lessen seasonal affective disorder, to uh, lessen depression, and many other mood-based disorders as well. You might not have enough B12, which is affecting overall brain function. So I like to look at this and say, there's no doubt in my mind, there might have been trauma in childhood. So we look at that, we work on that. We also work on vitamin levels, gut-based function, foods that are causing your brain not to function well. How about all the food dyes and things? I mean, if your products you're eating or your cosmetics that you might be using have red five in them, or they have some type of dye or paint or iron or lead, these could be heavy metal, could be copper toxicity. And the copper is affecting the way that you're looking at yourself that lends through the world. So my job is to empower women, yes, some men that I work with, with muscle dysmorphia, body dysmorphia. But what we want to do is also understand, and I like, I really like sharing this part to it because they say, oh, this is something I'm going to have to battle for the rest of my life. It's not. This is something that you battle just like anyone battles. I battled Addison's disease, rheumatoid arthritis, type 2 diabetes, myalgic encephalitis, all, all sorts of different things. That was one chapter of my life. Now, the chapter, unfortunately, lasted a little bit. Now I get to teach people how to close that chapter really quickly. So with an eating-based disorder, this is a chapter of your life. We don't want to deny it. What we want to do is work through it so that we finish this and then we move on with the rest of your story, right? The rest of your life. So it's about empowering women because right now they have an eating-based disorder, something that most likely they don't want. But most likely they can find a way out. I have no doubt in my mind. I really believe this. And a lot of it starts with believing in them that this is something they can overcome. And so, although I would say I'm not the leading expert in eating-based disorders, 
what I try to do is show them that there's multifactorial, that there are many women in your same position, they've overcome it. And here's the things we can do from a physiology level, a chemistry level. Your body needs the right neurotransmitters. It needs the right vitamins and minerals in order to be able to get the mood that you want. A lot of people don't know that. Dopamine can be increased through things like tyrosine and proper gut bacteria. You have too much clostridium difficile, you actually produce way too much dopamine, cause a lot of anxiety and overwhelm. You know, what if you don't have enough tryptophan in your diet? Or what if you don't have enough B6? Well, can't sleep well, can't produce melatonin, can't calm the body. So we look at these things and we actually help them from both sides of the equation. And um, you know, again, if, if I can share anything, it's that there is hope. You can overcome this. And I'm telling you right now, it may not seem easy, but this, again, this is just one chapter of your life. Yeah, that's so powerful and so beautiful. And this is why testing is so important because someone could be experiencing this and completely blaming themselves or blaming what I call the inner mean girl in their head. And it could really be a physical or a chemical imbalance within their hormones. And this is why we've got to get the results. We've got to test. We've got to look at the data and go, okay, cool. Well, maybe I've got really low zinc or maybe I'm not producing this. So I want to encourage anyone listening, if they may be experiencing whatever degree, whatever end of the spectrum they're on, something similar to this, that Getting the data is so important, really, really important, because then you can make the shifts from there, the tweaks from there. But it is a very holistic thing. It's something that needs to be looked at from all different angles. But getting the data is a great place to start. Absolutely. I mean, it's we've seen life-changing results with people finding out their omega-6 to omega-3 levels, their calcium to magnesium levels, their copper to zinc levels, and their uh, levels and their um, B vitamins. I mean, literally game-changing within 30 days. So if you don't know those, I can't, I can't recommend it enough. You just, you need to know your numbers because your vitamins, minerals, amino acids, proteins, enzymes, all of these things make you who you are. They literally make up your body. So it can start to make sense then if those are off, you might feel off. And, and that's why you can see tremendous change with uh, not just diet, but with nutritional supplementation as well. Yes. And this is why I love your program, IHP, the Integrative Health Practitioner Certification, because you empower people to learn how to collect this information themselves if they want to, which is just so powerful because then you become the healer in your own home for you and your partner and your family. Like that is empowering. That is really, really empowering. So that's why I love your program, IHP, so much. I just think what you've created with that is just awesome. I appreciate that. And that, that is our mission. I mean, our, our tagline is literally heal yourself and heal others because after you get well, you have to pay it for. I mean, like it's, it's literally your duty because this is not taught anywhere, meaning you are not going to learn it in medical school to become an MD. You're not going to, the media is not going to teach it to you. And unless you got really lucky in life, your parents most likely never taught it to you. So at some point, we need to break the cycle. We learn it and then we teach our, own children or our nieces and nephews, our siblings. We teach it back to our parents because they never had it. And you share it with your community. Not only is that the best way to do it, but it's also most likely going to be the most well-received because people are going to see you. I mean, you are going to be the role model that they see and like, wow, like, how did you do that? You look five years younger. You look 10 years younger. You look like you have such a healthy glow. And, and when they see that, you no longer have the bad breath or the acne or cellulite or whatever. It's going to say, 
how can I do that too? And so, that, I mean, that's really what it's all about is, is simply paying that forward, learn as much as you can, keep reading, listen to podcasts, because sometimes the information doesn't apply to you, right? But maybe it does in five years from now, or maybe you have a friend that it does, and most likely we all do. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll link to your IHP, the Integrative Health Practitioner in the show notes. We'll link to your amazing podcast, your amazing book, The Rain Barrel Effect, which is kind of, you know, everything that we've spoken about, the acne, the cellulite and the bad breath, they're an overflowing rain barrel, right? For sure. Yes, absolutely. This is These are all manifestations that something's been going on for too long. It's overflowed your rain barrel. Yes. And we'll link to all of that and all your amazing work in the show notes. So I just wanted to say thank you so much for all of that incredible information so far. What are you really excited about at the moment in the health world? Like, is there anything, any new science, anything new that's exciting that you're discovering or anything like that at the moment that has been brought to your attention? It's a great question. I am... Well, what I'm doing, and I believe it, I'm, I'm just allowing it to happen through a natural progress. But I believe my my future work is going to be more in the autonomic nervous system and being able to help people rejuvenate and recover at a far faster degree than we're able to do. So let's say that typical, let's say I work with someone and they have uh, two children, three children, their last child was born a couple of years ago, they've got you know anywhere between like two and seven years old. And this mom is starting to feel a little tired, a little run down, a little less, like a little more, more brain fog. It doesn't have the same ambition or drive or libido and doesn't have the same zest for life. She's thought about kind of going back and starting a second career, all these things. And she just doesn't have the energy. So what I'm looking to do is create a more holistic but succinct way of helping to rejuvenate the body about a half hour to an hour a day at a much faster rate. And I, I can't say that I'm there yet. I'm not. But it's something that I'm working on. And I'm actually working through the Rasayanas and the Ayurvedic-based forms of rejuvenate the body, but combining that with new forms of this hollow sync binaural-based beats and actually looking how it changes heart rate variability. So I know I'm kind of geeking out here a little bit, but that's that's something that I'm very passionate about. And one of the reasons why I was just in um, Germany last week looking at some of the different devices and machines, because even though I'm a huge proponent, of Ayurvedic medicine and the ancient forms of wisdom, I'm looking to combine that with all of the new technologies as well and and have the best of both worlds. That sounds awesome. I cannot wait to see what you come up with and what you create. That sounds so good. And yeah, really, really exciting. And I could hear your passion and your excitement too. So I am so excited for that. I'm so grateful for your time and your wisdom and your knowledge again and for coming back on the show. My my tribe love you so much. And I'm so grateful for all that you do in the world. Like, one of the things that I love about you is like, you really do care. You care. And I know you now as a friend, because we've been working together for so many years, I know you as a friend now. And I can vouch that you really do care about helping other people. I'm so excited that you're coming to Australia in March of 2020. You're going to be doing a big event in Sydney, which 
is very, very exciting. And I highly recommend if you are in Australia in March, early March next year, that you get to Stephen's event. It's going to be life-changing. And I'm just so grateful for IHP, for your books, for your podcast and all that you do. You're spreading so much love and wisdom and knowledge. And we're all just so deeply grateful. So thank you. I appreciate that. And, and, you know, the same right back to you. I love being able to come on your show, love being able to interact, you know, for a couple of weeks after one of our interviews go live. I just have so many people commenting and, and saying that they maybe got a little tidbit from the show that was able to help them in some way in their life. And that's what it's all about, right? Because if you do this for every day of your life, you've been, do- I've been doing it for 20 years. I plan on doing it for at least another 30, 40 years. You want to love what you do. And, and that is something that hopefully, you know, I'm able to share with people because the nice thing about this field of health, you can't run out. Like, I mean, you taught me a few things today for me to look up, like do, do your teeth shift while pregnant? Is that possible? <laughs> right? Like you can't run out of things to research. And, and so it's a great field. And, and I think that goes for everybody in life. You can't stop learning about your own body. Exactly. And it's always growing and evolving and you're always going to be learning. So I totally agree. And one last question before I let you go is, you know, I'm a massive believer in service and I want to know how I personally and the listeners can serve you today. How can we give back to you today? Oh, ask at me asking for things is one of my, uh, one of my shortcomings that I, <laughs> well, my biggest thing, and I don't know if I've ever shared this before, but I would say this is that I know that you usually do a good job of, of talking about a tidbit and posting it in your comments of what's one thing. Uh, I think this is you that that you got out of the show. What I would love for people to do is just say, here's one thing I got out of the interview, out of the show uh, with Melissa, but share it with a friend. So instead of putting it in, in the community of people that already know about this, right? Like people love you. You do a great job. You do amazing work. But let, let's share it with someone else, not just on on Melissa's post. Let's take that and actually tag a friend, share that with a friend so that we can start to already practice with our preach and just say, okay, like, hey, listen, I'm, I'm thinking about doing this detox, or I'm thinking about doing an elimination diet, or I'm thinking about, you know, doing a sauna or dry brushing. Involve one other person. You know, that's that's the best thing. So if people could do that, that would be fantastic. Yes, pay it forward. And when we learn something, the best way for us to fully embody it is to teach it. So when we just hold it to ourselves, we sometimes will let it go. Like we might do that thing for one week and then it slips. But when we're out there and we're teaching other people and we're sharing it, we are then going to more deeply embody that new habit or that new belief. So teaching is the best way to embody what you want to become. Hands down. Absolutely. And I think that's part of the reason why I get you know pretty jazzed up every day to do the podcast. And that's simply because it reinforces why I'm doing this. And I'm also reteaching to myself like, oh yeah, you're like that. That's something that, you know, you need to be doing yourself or you need to be doing more in your practice. So hands down, absolutely teach. You'll learn it at such a deeper level. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Stephen. I am so grateful for you. Love and adore you and cannot wait to see you in Australia in March of 2020. We are so excited. Same here. I can't wait to we actually get to meet in person instead of just doing interviews and chats and over Skype. So it's going to be, it's going to be great. I can't wait. I know. I'm so excited. Thank you again. What another epic episode with Dr. Cabral. I love him. I know you guys love him too, which is why you keep asking to have him back. So I will keep giving him to you. 
I got so much out of today's episode. It was so insightful and there's so many little key takeaways that I will be implementing into my life. So if you got a lot out of this episode, please subscribe and leave me a five-star review in iTunes or on your podcast app because that means that we can educate and inspire even more people together. And it also means that you could potentially be the review of the week for next week, which is pretty awesome. Don't forget to come and follow me on Instagram at Melissa Ambrosini and tell me your top key takeaways from this episode. I can't wait to read them. I'm sure you're going to have so many after this episode. And for everything that Dr. Stephen Cabral and I mentioned in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes and that's over at melissaambrosini.com forward slash 261. And you can also listen to all my other episodes there too. And before I go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here, for wanting to be the best, the healthiest and the happiest version of yourself and for showing up today for you. You rock. Now, if there's someone in your life that you can think of that would really benefit from this episode, please be an angel and share it with them right now. You can take a screenshot. You can share it on your social media. You can email it to them. You can text it to them. Just do whatever you've got to do to get this information in their ears. And until next time, my darling, don't forget that love is sexy, healthy is definitely liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word.